0: Bill, yeah. thank you for that story, exactly what you said, lying here thinking, wondering if everything's going to be alright, here yeah, hope, it's a painful thing, thank you, and good night. Greetings and salutations. I must thank you for reading these dread time stories to all of us. I found this particular rendition of a Gothic night especially chilling. However, the burning question on my mind is: what happened to the dog? Dragon Slayer Audio.
1: Good evening. This is Bill Oberst Jr. Welcome to the Moonlit Library. I beg your pardon. I'm still a little groggy. I should explain. The strangest thing just occurred moments before you came in. I was sitting here at this great wood table in the center of the library on this Egyptian carpet, waiting to read to you watching the moon rise two stories up through that floor-to-ceiling window in the Great East Wall there. I had tonight's selection all picked out, laid in front of me, when I heard something that I've never heard in all the time since I woke up and found myself in this old library. My friends, I heard a knock at the door. No one... Knocks at that door. No one has ever knocked since I've been here. Those heavy oak double doors there at the front entrance of the library, you can see they're covered in cobwebs. I doubt if they've been opened in centuries, but there it was, a sort of rapping, stronger and stronger. So I got up, I waded in through the cobwebs, and I lifted the heavy bar and forced the doors open. God, what a screech. And they opened out onto the night. And I beheld a most singular figure, my friends. There she was, standing in the moonlight, a a great gray cowl draped over her head for it was an old, old woman, a serpent's head staff in her gnarled hands, for that's what she had been rapping at the door with. She said nothing. She just stared. And I stared. I didn't dare speak. Her eyes, her eyes, Well, her eyes weren't old like the rest of her. You see, her eyes were... They were familiar. They were young. They were old, all at the same time. They were eyes that you could not help but fall into. And I fell and fell. And everything grew dark and indistinct except the old woman's eyes, and I was feeling faint and just about to close my eyes when suddenly she raised her staff
0: directly in front of my face and she spoke. Library-keeper, have a care. Library-keeper, thou dost err to think that only man may write such tale as thou wouldst read to-night to these who come from yonder here to hear thy poison-tongue declaim the name of man alone. Man alone upon these shelves, nay, man alone within these walls, nay, library keeper whom I placed, whom I chose to keep, this place hear your mother neath this cowl, hear my voice as wind up howl, I of newt and white rat's tails read to night Story by females And she touched my forehead
1: with her staff and I must have fallen because when I awoke she was gone she was gone and the door was barred again and the cobwebs were thick over those doors again as if they'd never been opened a dream no (laughs) no dream look out there Look through that great east wall moon window. You see her? On the hill. Silhouetted in the moonlight. Sitting among the belladonna flowers. Her staff raised high to the moon. (laughs) I think she's waiting. And I think we'd best not disappoint her, my friends. So, you'd best settle into your place of rest and turn down the lights, and I'll read to you for a while, just till you're drowsy. I'll read to you from the mother of all female Gothic authors. Yes, Mary Shelley, 1818. You know the title. But you may be surprised by the power a woman can wield even after two hundred years in the grave. A passage from the diary of Victor Frankenstein. Who shall conceive the horrors of my secret toil? I have dabbled among the unhallowed damps of the grave. I have tortured living animals, all but to animate lifeless clay. My limbs tremble. My eyes swim with the remembrance. A resistless, frantic impulse urged me forward. I lost all soul, all sensation, but for this one pursuit... It was a—it was a passing trance. The dissecting room in the slaughterhouse furnished my materials, and often did my human nature turn with loathing from my occupation, but, urged on by an eagerness which perpetually increased, I brought my work to a conclusion. It was a dreary night of November. With an anxiety that almost amounted to agony, I collected the instruments of life around me that I might infuse a spark of being into the lifeless thing that lay at my feet. It was one in the morning. The rain pattered dismally against the panes. My candle was nearly burnt out when I saw the dull yellow eye of the creature open. It breathed hard. A convulsive motion agitated its limbs. How can I describe my emotions at this catastrophe? How can I delineate the wretch whom with such infinite pains and care I had endeavored to form His limbs were in proportion, and I had selected his features as beautiful. Beautiful! Great God! His yellow skin scarcely covered the work of muscles and arteries beneath. His hair was of a lustrous black and flowing. His teeth of a pearly whiteness. But these luxuriances only formed a more horrid contrast with his eyes god eyes almost of the same color as the white sockets in which they were set his shrivelled complexion his straight black lips i had worked hard for nearly 2 years for the sole purpose of infusing life into an inanimate body i had deprived myself of rest and health i had desired this thing with an ardor and Now that I had it, the beauty of the dream vanished. His jaws opened, and he muttered some inarticulate sounds, while a grin wrinkled his cheeks. He might have spoken, but I did not hear. One hand was stretched out to detain me, but I escaped and rushed downstairs. I took refuge in the courtyard walking up and down in the greatest agitation, listening attentively, catching and fearing each sound as if it were to announce the approach of the demonical corpse to which I had given life. No mortal could support the horror of that countenance. A mummy endued with animation could not be so hideous as that wretch. I had gazed upon him while unfinished. Yes, he was ugly then, but when those muscles and joints were rendered capable of motion, it became a thing such as even Dante could not have conceived. Mingled with horror, I felt the bitterness of disappointment, of dreams that had been my food for so long a space, now become a hell to me. Drenched by the rain which poured from a black and comfortless sky, I hurried on, not daring to look about me or behind me, like one who, on a lonely road, doth walk in fear and dread, and having once turned round, walks on, and turns no more his head, because he knows a frightful fiend doth close behind him tread." "'So speaks Victor Frankenstein. "'But, of course, he does not escape his creation. "'Although he tries. "'He goes mountain-climbing in Switzerland. "'From Victor's diary. "'It was nearly noon when I arrived at the top of the ascent. "'For some time I sat upon the rock that overlooks the sea of ice. "'A mist covered both that and the surrounding mountains.' Presently a breeze dissipated the cloud, and I descended upon the glacier. What awful majesty! As I gazed on this stupendous scene, my heart, which was before sorrowful, now swelled with something like joy, when suddenly I saw a figure at some distance advancing towards me with superhuman speed, bounding over the crevices in the ice, its stature exceeding that of man. I felt a faintness seize me. It was the wretch whom I had created. I trembled with rage and horror. I resolved to wait his approach and then close with him in mortal combat. He approached His unearthly ugliness was almost too horrible for human eyes. But I recovered. Devil, I exclaimed, you dare approach me? Be gone, vile insect, or better, stay, that I may trample you to dust. I expected this reception, said the demon. All men hate the wretched. How much more, then, must I be hated, I who am miserable beyond all living things? Yet you, my creator, detest and spurn me thy creature, to whom you are bound by ties only dissoluble by the annihilation, the death of one or the other of us, you would kill me, how dare you toy thus with life? Do your duty towards me, and I will do mine towards you and the rest of mankind. If you will comply with my conditions, I will leave you in peace, but if you refuse, I will glut the maw of death until it be satiated with the blood of all whom you hold dear. A bored monster, I said, wretched devil! You reproach me with your creation? Come, then, come on, then, that I may extinguish the spark which I so negligently bestowed. Come to me. My rage was without bounds. I sprang on him, impelled by all the feelings which can arm one being against the existence of another. But he easily eluded me. Have a care, Frankenstein. I will work at your destruction, nor finish until I desolate your heart so that you curse the hour of your birth. You must, you will create for me a female with whom I can live. This you alone can do, and I demand it of you. I demand it of you as a right which you must not refuse. You demand? (laughs) I replied, And I must not refuse. I do refuse. I do refuse, and no torture shall exhort a consent from me. You may render me the most miserable of men, but you shall never make me base in my own eyes. Create another like, like you, whose wickedness might desolate the entire world? I will not. What I ask of you is reasonable, Frankenstein, it is moderate, I ask a creature as hideous as myself, that small gratification shall consent me, we shall be monsters cut off from all the world, but on that account we shall be more attached to one another. Our lives will not be happy, but they will be harmless, and free from the misery I now feel. My creator, my father, make me happy. Let me feel gratitude toward you, my maker. Devil cease, cease. Do not poison the air further with your sounds. You have your answer. Leave me. I go, but remember, father, I shall be with you on your wedding night. Ah! I made to seize him and would have done it, but he was gone. And all was silent again. Only his words remained. And they ring yet in my ears. I will be with you on your wedding night. My gosh. I don't think a man could have written that. Not in 1818. Do you? Apparently it's an old story. Man is obsessed. Man desires. Man feeds the obsession. Man is repulsed by the achievement of desire, man breaks things, man walks away from the mess, man is surprised, always surprised to find that the mess follows. I shall be with you on your wedding night, yes, yes you will. Thank you, Mary. Yes. We shall have more female authors of Gothic tales in future broadcast. We must. Ying and Yang. We are both bound up inexorably in one another's existence. You can leave a free voice message with your response to this or any episode. Just go to speakpipe.com slash Bill Oberst, Jr. at speakpipe.com slash Bill Oberst, Jr. We'd love to hear from you. But for now, the books are all back on the shelves. The moon is high. And the hillside, out there through that great east wall window, the hillside is empty. She's gone for now. There's only a small wind stirring the bed of Belladonna Nightshade up there on that hill. So beautiful. Well, it's late, it's late. Time for sleep now. From an old library keeper, in an old library, on the edge of a precipice, on the edge of a forest, on the edge of the world, I wish you very sweet dreams, sleep well, and remember, it's always midnight somewhere, and in someone's soul, good night.